Welcome back to the Grand Valley Community Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you to meet Jesus and grow in faith. So we all know that Christmas is right around the corner. And some of you are familiar with there's a song. Uh, maybe you've heard it on the radio a couple times. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most you'll ever hear me sing. But the most wonderful time. How many of you are with me and would like to change that word wonderful and replace it with stressful? It's the most stressful time of the year. There's actually a study done in 2012. And this, this, when I read this stat, this percentage just blew my mind. 45% of the people that were surveyed said they wished they could skip right over Christmas because of the financial pressures that come with the season. 45%. Almost half. You know, some of you are probably sitting here and maybe that's what you almost wish. Man, can't we just skip to January? I don't want to have to go through all the stress and all the planning and everything that has to go into this Christmas season. And so that's why we picked to do this sermon series right now um, called Managing for Maximum Impact. Last week, Vicki talked about how do we manage our time. And today, we're going to talk about how do we manage our money. Now, if this is your you know, first time here, if you're just checking this place out, maybe you got coerced or dragged along, we're super excited you're here. And you might be thinking, oh, great, one Sunday I show up at church and the pastor is going to talk about money. Well, here's the truth. Every one of us have to learn about how we manage our money in some way or some form. And maybe you're unsure about Jesus, maybe you're unsure about God or unsure about church. That's okay. But money is something that every one of us has to deal with and has to handle. And so I hope that maybe you can still you know, learn something through this. And secondly, we're not after your money. In fact, this is just about helping us learn to manage our money. And I'm going to talk about giving at the very end in such a tiny little way. And guess what? If you're just checking this place out, it doesn't even apply to you. It's just for those of us who call this our home. But why churches and pastors often talk about money is because there's these four books in the Bible uh, called the Gospels. And these are firsthand accounts of Jesus' life. And what they show us is that Jesus talked about money a lot. And so if Jesus talks about money a lot and we're trying to follow Jesus the best we can, it means that, you know, we've got to talk about money too sometimes. And so I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to pull out your phone uh, and you can download something called the YouVersion Bible app. Um, or maybe you've got it on your phone already. And on your phone in the YouVersion app, there's a tab called Events. And if you click on that, uh, you can search for Grand Valley or you can let your GPS search and find and know that you're here. And you can follow along with what we're going to talk about right on your phone. Uh, And you can also, there's a couple times where I'm going to ask some questions and there's a little link you can click on and you can respond to those questions. And we're going to share and talk about some of those things together before we wrap up today. So again, you know, pull up the YouVersion app, download it. Uh, If you don't have it, it's easy to get. Uh, And you can follow along with us. So there's a starting point to all this. You know, last week we talked about managing our time. And I got to tell you something. There is one major difference between time and managing your money. See, here's the simple truth. You will never be able to get more time. doesn't matter who you are, whether you're the poorest person in the world or the richest person in the world, you still only get 24 hours a day. No one gets any more or any less. You can never get more time. 
But here's one of the realities. You can always get more money. See, all you have to do is go to your bank and say, hey, I need a loan. Or maybe you, pull, you call up your credit card company and say, hey, I just want, you know, a little more credit. Or does anyone get this where your credit card company sends you letters? Hey, all you have to do is reply to this. We'll double your credit limit. See, we can always get more money. And I'm not trying to bash banks or credit card companies or anything with that because they provide services that we all use on a regular basis. They're good things, but we have to learn how to manage them well because you can always get more money. The problem is there will be some day when that bank or that credit card company or that lender comes and knocks on your door and says, hey, remember all that money I gave you? Yeah, I need some of it back. In fact, I need all of it back. And you know what? I'm actually going to need more than all of it back because there's this little thing called interest. And maybe some of you, as I'm talking about this, you're starting to feel a little anxious. You're feeling a little bit stressed of the, yeah, I know I've been there or I am there. Well, guess what? If you feel stressed by that thought, you are in exactly the right place you need to be right now. Because we can never get more time, we can always get more money, but we have to learn how to handle it. So I want to start with this simple truth. And this is probably one of the biggest things that, to be honest, if you just want to check out after this, you've probably got enough out of this sermon. Your standard of life does not equal your quality of life. Your standard of living, what you have, does not determine your quality of life. Now, some of us have tried. A lot of us have tried. I've tried this at different times where we think, you know, if I just had more, you know, if I just had more money, if I just had that bigger house, if I just had a better car, if I had fancier clothes, if I had that gadget, if I had the new phone that just came out, I would be happier. I would feel better about myself. And if my standard of living was higher, my quality of life, how I enjoy my life, it's got to go up, right? Well, guess what? It doesn't. Our standard of living does not determine our quality of life. And there's a reason for this. Money can only buy one type of happiness. Do you know what type of happiness that is? It's temporary happiness. Money can buy a temporary feeling of happiness and joy and elation, but it doesn't last. You know, something a few years ago, I got to do something that was super cool and super fun, and it was amazing. I got to drive a Nissan GTR around a racetrack with a professional driver beside me, teaching me how to drive it the fastest possible it could go. Now, some of you guys in here, you might be like me, you're a car guy, you know the Nissan GTR, you know what it can do. You know how fast that car is. In a third of a mile, you're doing 160 kilometers an hour. You slam on the brakes, throw it into a hairpin curve. It just hugs that curve like no other car does. It was so much fun. The guy I was with was actually annoyed with me for the rest of the day because I was giggling for the rest of the day. (laughs) We're like driving. I was like, oh, that was so much fun. That was so much fun. Now I came back from that, and Nikki goes, you spent how much? You spent how much on that? That was in U.S. funds? You spent that much money on 12 minutes of track time. 12 minutes. Temporary happiness. And yes, I'd probably do it again. (laughs) But that only is a temporary happiness. You know, sure, I can look at the picture. If you're ever in my office, there's a picture of me standing with the Nissan GTR. I'd love to own one. I never will. 
But you could see that picture. And yeah, I might look and go, oh, that was fun. But it's just it. That was fun. It isn't, it's not, it's something that still is fun. It was fun. It was temporary. It was fleeting. See, we can try to use money. We can try to chase these temporary highs. We can, you know, maybe you have a different term, retail therapy. I've done it. I know. Retail therapy. We chase temporary happiness. But this isn't a new thing. This isn't a new statement at all. In fact, if we go all the way back into about the middle of the Old Testament, there's this little book called Ecclesiastes. And Vicki took us there last week as well because Ecclesiastes is a book about finding meaning. It's written by this wise teacher near the end of his life saying, I'm going to summarize everything I've done and I'm going to try and pass on as much knowledge and wisdom as I can to the next generation. It's a book about finding meaning. And this is what Ecclesiastes has to say. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. Those who love money will never have enough. If money becomes what we focus our lives on, you will never have enough. It is an insatiable appetite that always wants more. And see that temporary high we chase, the next time you want that same feeling of elation, of joy, you've got to go for something bigger. And it just keeps snowballing. It goes bigger and bigger and bigger. But see, this is nothing new. We all know this somehow, that money can only buy temporary happiness that trying to raise our standard of living, having fancier things, better clothes, better car, whatever it is, doesn't actually improve our quality of life. So what do we do? What do we do with this? See, I want to propose a perspective shift to us today. I want to propose that we change our mentality just slightly about money and what the purpose of it is. Because what if we started to see our money instead of trying to chase happiness or chase things? What if instead we tried to look for how, does, how do we find what matters the most? How do we find what matters the most to ourselves, what matters the most to our family, what matters the most to people around us? How can we have a greater impact with how we use our money? And so I want to use a statement again that we talked about last week. When it comes to this, how do we know what matters and how do we know what doesn't? Because if this is a filter that we start looking at money through, it starts to change. See, money, managing our money is always about priorities. And we have, we're human, we have basic priorities. We need somewhere to live. We need food. We need water. We need uh, clothing. We need... There are physical things that we just simply need, and those priorities do need to be high. They need to be high up the list. But we also need things that aren't physical. Every one of us has a deep need to be loved. Every one of us has a deep need for community, a place where we can be known and a place where we can know others. We have a need for friendships. We have a need for for close relationships, close friends that, that, that that know us deeply. And then there's something else that I think every one of us chases 
and needs. We look for meaning in our own lives. Why does it matter that I'm here? And we also look for things to work towards. Every one of us has planted in us by God a need to to create, to produce, to be productive, to do things, to work. Work is not something that, that came along afterwards. In fact, it was the very first thing that God gave to humanity was to work, to create, to be partners with God in shaping and caring for the world. That's a deep need that is implanted in us that isn't physical. It's an intangible thing. But it is something that deeply matters to us. So all of us, at some level, search for what me, what, where we find meaning. And when it comes to handling our money, sometimes it helps to say, to actually ask the opposite question, do we know what doesn't matter to us? And are we actually trying to remove and cut those things out so that we have more available to focus on what does matter? And so I want to ask this first question uh, that you can respond to um, through version. Just click the link on the event there, saying, how will you decide what matters the most when it comes to managing money? How will you decide what matters the most? Because as you address this, you've got to start looking at how do we keep the first things first in our lives? And in fact, when Jesus was, was teaching his disciples and a large group of people, he talked about this. He talked about this, uh, this question of how do we make this decision? Matthew six twenty four, Jesus tells his disciples and followers in this great crowd that's gathered, he tells them this, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, some of us know this firsthand. Maybe you've had two jobs at once. And you know one of those bosses you like a lot more than the other. When one of those bosses calls, you know, there's that send to voicemail button on your phone. You know, you kind of, you know, your, your thumb hovers over that one before maybe you accept the call. Or maybe you have your other boss is someone where you're like, when they call and say, hey, I need you to do this. Sure, I'll be there. I'll do that. See, we all... If we try to serve too many things at once, we do it poorly. We end up only wanting to focus on one and despising and wanting to get rid of the rest. And in fact, some other translations um, translate what Jesus says for this last line to say, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. See, some of us might be in that position where we feel enslaved by money. Where every month that making that minimum payment on the debts that we owe feels like we're stuck, feels like we're trapped, and we don't know how to get past that. And so what Jesus is talking about here is when you feel that way, you've got to choose who are we serving? Who are we focusing on? It's not a question of dividing our focus between every little thing, but what is first? What is the priority? What matters the most? And so I want to start I want to give you guys some practical tools and some practical things that we can do to help us get better at managing our money. And I'm not going to quote scripture for each one of these. One of them I will. But all of these are based in scripture. Um, But I just, we don't have the time to go through each of the time when Jesus says something about this topic. And so here's what we got to do. We got to know what matters. We got to know what doesn't. And then we need to be intentional. Now, being intentional is difficult. It takes energy. It takes effort. 
So, I want to break this down for us. How to be intentional. Step number one, spy on your money. Do you know where your money goes every month? Most of us probably have a vague idea. But I want to challenge you to do something. Take two months and track every single penny that you have. Track every single penny of income. Track every single penny of expense. Now, if you're like me and you do everything through a card, either debit or credit, then chances are your bank might actually do this for you and might have a tool or something you can use that will categorize, okay, this was housing expenses, this was food, this was transportation, this was bills, this was utilities, all those things. Or maybe if you use cash, you know, start saving your receipts. Instead of just taking it, crumpling it, shoving it in your pocket, you know, take it home and start just paper clipping them together. Okay, these are all my food receipts. These are all this kind of receipts. But spy on your money. You have to know where it's going in order to change anything about it. And this is actually one of the things that Jesus did talk about. Uh, in Luke 14, he's talking with his disciples and some of his followers. And And he's talking specifically about following him, but he makes this statement in the middle. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if they have enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Do you plan, do you count the cost? Spy on your money. And so I want to ask a second question, and this one's just a multiple choice. You'll see the options on the form there. What has been your approach to managing your money in the past? How do you try to do this? Uh, And you can respond to that through the YouVersion app. Second, address your spending. You've got to start with the things that you have the most control over. Because let's be honest, we're not going to be able to call our bank and just say, hey, I'd like to pay less on my mortgage. Or call your landlord, hey, how about if I just pay you half the rent this month? That's not going to work out. Maybe if you're in school, your school is not going to say, sure, we'll give you a 50% tuition discount. Sadly, those things aren't going to happen. But what we can do is you can start with what you have control of. Start with your discretionary spending and start with asking this question. When you're about to make a purchase, now this takes a discipline, but say, does this matter? Is this purchase something that matters, something that's necessary, or is this about chasing a temporary high? Is this about chasing happiness? Am I doing this to make me feel happy? They're tough questions to ask. Third one, save for the future. Now, I'm not talking specifically about retirement savings or TFSAs or investments, all that stuff. You know, I'm not a financial planner. I have a financial planner. So what I'm talking about when I say save for the future, I'm saying, have you built up an emergency fund? Have you been able to take and set aside a chunk of money that covers maybe one to two, three months of your income? So that if something catastrophic happens, maybe, you know, your company that you work for has a, you know, has an awful year and they, you know, the word comes from the top, hey, we've got to lay off staff. You know, that throws us into a crisis. Maybe you're driving and, you know, you're driving to your family's place at Christmas and a deer jumps out in front of you and you smoke a deer with your car. No one plans for that, but it might happen. Or, or maybe it's just something mechanically breaks down. But do you have an emergency fund saved up? Do you have something there that when these things happen, it doesn't become a crisis, but you can say, okay, I've planned for this. I've planned for a contingency. I've built up an emergency fund. 
And after that point, then you can talk about retirement savings, all those stuff, but I can't cover that here. And frankly, you can get better advice more on that than more than just from me. But the third step is saving for the future. How do you handle the emergency things that come up with? And now I'm going to talk about one that's a four-letter word. Some of you would consider this, you know, an awful curse word. But we've got to deal with your debt. Sometimes debt just makes us feel awful. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you something really simple. All you've got to do is if, you're, if you have the YouVersion app on your phone, there's a link you need to click on. It takes you to a blog post that has a video that you need to watch. If you don't have YouVersion, pull out a pen, write on your takeout. Okay, Dave Ramsey snowball method. This, this, guy, this snowball method is genius. What it is, is it's how to actually tackle all your debts. And you start with the smallest debt you have. And as soon as you knock it off, with whatever extra funds you have on your budget, you start throwing in, you knock off your smallest debt, and then you take what you were paying on that smallest debt, and you move it to your next smallest debt. Or sometimes, if the debts are about the same in in what they owe, you tackle the one with the higher interest first. And it's called the snowball method because it just starts knocking off, and it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. It just starts growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the end of this, you are actually able to make big payments on the debts that you have. So Dave Ramsey, snowball method. If you just type that into Google, you will find tons of resources, tons of videos, blog posts, stuff to read. But you've got to do it. Because here's the thing, debt can be a very useful tool. It can be something that enables us to do really important and vital things. You know, most of us here who we carry a mortgage, that is a debt, but it's a useful debt that's a tool to something bigger. But where we have to be careful is if we're using debt to chase happiness. If you're using debt to pay for that shopping trip or that vacation that you can't really afford to begin with, debt needs to have a purpose. It needs to have a meaning behind it. It comes back to this, knowing what matters, knowing what doesn't, being intentional. So I want to ask you a third question that you can respond into to the, the YouVersion event. What is one step that you can start taking today that will help you manage your money for a maximum impact? I'm going to pull up today's meet here, and we're going to spend a bit of time uh, just discussing this together. Um, and I, you know, I, hope, I want to hear what you guys are thinking as we go through this. So this first question, how do you decide what matters the most when it comes to managing your money? <laughs> I like this response. I need enough to stay alive, food and shelter. That's great. How will it impact tomorrow and how will it impact others? So someone answered that, you know, you already know this track we're going on. Um, and there's a response here saying, you know, we tithe, but then pretty much just spend according to perceived needs. We track where it goes, but we aren't great at choosing where it goes. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. And how do you decide, saying, separating needs from wants, creating sustainable habits? So here's a question I've got, and you can just speak up, grab my attention. I'll repeat what you have to say so everyone else can hear. But how, what are some other ways? How do you decide what matters the most when it comes to managing money? Anyone have some more insight on that that you want to share? You know, what's something that you've done that helped? 
<laughs> go through bankruptcy. <laughs> I have a feeling there's a bigger story behind that, and hopefully I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and guess that you probably wished it didn't happen, but it needed to happen. It was a good thing in the end. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to hit that crisis point. Yeah. Only spend the money you have in your pocket. Yeah, and if you don't have cards in your pocket, you know, you can't go beyond the cash that's there. But then you've got to start planning, you know, what if that cash in your pocket needs to last you a week? But yeah, it's a good thing. Only, only having access to the funds that you are giving yourself permission to spend. Any other thoughts on that one before we move on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, choosing what choosing what matters most. And I want to highlight something you said in there. You said in the home doing this as husband and wife. If you're married, this has to be something that you are together on. You know, if one person is the saver, one person's the spender, saver, spender, it doesn't always work well. You know, you've got to work, you've got to, to, to handle that. And actually what we found with us is if Nikki tried to manage the budget, it never worked because I'm the spender. If I manage the budget, then it worked because then I'm the one keeping it in front of me all the time. Uh, let's move on to the second one. Uh, I said, what has been your approach to managing your money in the past? And this one was a, a multiple choice. And so here's what's awesome. 66% of the people who responded said that they track their spending and they create and follow a budget. Uh, the next biggest chunk was saying, you know, we don't track our spending and don't have a budget. So, you know, I hope that this encourages you to say, hey, maybe this is something to try to start building this plan. And then I've got this third question up here saying, what is one step you can start taking today that will help you manage your money for maximum impact. Uh, and so I'm just going to run through what's been said in here. Track spending. Pay bills and submit reimbursements right away. Uh, rebuild the emergency fund. With each purchase, ask, is this a need or a want? If it's a need, is it pressing or can it wait? And where does this need land on my priority list? And the last one saying, becoming more intentional. What else comes up? What's a step you could start taking today? to help you manage your funds better. Anything more to add? That's a pretty awesome list, but is there anything more to add? <laughs> yeah, not such a great investment. Start buying lottery tickets. Yeah, you know, you have to actually look at what the, uh, the return is on what you spend, and chances are it's not going to work out for you. You know, unless you've somehow rigged and fixed the whole system, then come talk to me. you got to be the one selling the tickets. There you go. <laughs> what you have sent me is, uh, we have a, I have a spreadsheet, and we categorize them and put them into one month. And you can forecast up to the next two years. So that is something, if at the end of the year, then it will be, you're going to do the same thing. And you make a little tweak here and there. It shows at the end of the year, yeah. Yeah, and part of budgeting, and this is, this is something awesome, I'm glad you brought it up, is that long-term forecast. See, when you know 
that you're not spending all your money each month on your necessities and even some of your wants on your discretionary funds. You start seeing, when you look at your budget, okay, I have X number of dollars at the end of each month. Well, that's X number of dollars at the end of each month that adds together. And you can start seeing this long-range plan of saying, hey, you know, maybe we have a goal of doing a big family trip or, you know, going and seeing some family that live far away we haven't seen for a while or, or, or whatever our goals are. You can start seeing how you can build towards them when we create a budget. Now, I want to talk about one more thing. And this is something that is just for people who call this church home, just for people who've said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus with my life. I'm going to talk about giving for just a second. And here's the thing. This is for those of us who say we're following Jesus. If you're checking this place out, you're visiting, again, I don't want you to feel obligation on this. But I'm going to run through three quick things. And you know that they're true because it's three points and they all start with the same letter, right? Come on, that was a joke. Priority. Is our giving a priority? Or are we giving God our leftover at the end of the month? See, if it's a priority and it's something we do at the start of each month or whatever we set our budget to focus on, it has to be a priority, something we do first. Because I don't want to give God my leftovers. I want to give God something that shows the priority. Secondly, it's got to be a percentage then. Because at the start of the budget, you know, it, you have to decide how, you know, what is it you're going to give. And so I want to challenge you, start with a percentage doesn't really matter what that percentage is, but choose to do it based on a percentage, not just a number. And here's why. Because when it's a percentage, you can make it progressive. So set a goal for yourself of what you want that percentage to become. And say, okay, this month, I'm going to start at 1%. And a couple months from now, as I see, hey, that's doable, I'm going to move it to 2 or to 3 or to wherever you go. And especially if you're married, this needs to be a conversation that you take together and you're both on the same page about. Um, You know, Nikki and I have made some decisions about this, of what that percentage will be and what it will always be. And that's what we focus on. And that's a choice we made together. And then we, the way we do it around here is we actually set up the monthly bank transfer. So after one of our paychecks comes in, we have an automated transfer of what that percentage is that goes Um, comes to the church because we believe in what God is doing and because we want to give to that. And so by doing it as something that's automated and early on, that's how we are keeping it as a priority for ourselves. And I want to challenge you with that. Maybe that's something to consider for you. I'm not telling you what that percentage has to be or when you need to do it or when you need to increase it. That's up to you. That's up to you, uh, your spouse if you're married, and that's between you and God to figure out. Now here, I want to give one last little piece. Um, Here's the question. Um, We all live on a percentage of our income. What percentage are you living on? Some of us in this room would fit this first category of saying, hey, we actually live on more than 100% of our income. Every month, that number at the bottom of the bank balance is either getting smaller or if it's negative, it's growing larger. Because... We're living on more than our income is. And if you're in that situation, the time is now to start addressing these things. Start with spying on your money. Start with figuring out where it goes so you're able to make a chance. And I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I've been there. 
Second group is there's a, there's a group of us in here that would be living on pretty much exactly 100% of our income. You know, we have a term for this. We call it paycheck to paycheck. When you just seem to barely have enough each month. And I get it. That's also a tough place to be in. And the same thing applies. Spy on your money. Figure out where it's going. And then start addressing those discretionary, the parts that you have control over. Ask, where does this need to go? Where do I need to make changes? And then there's a third group in this room. Is There's some of us here that are actually living on less than 100% of their income. You've maybe figured out these things. Maybe that's that 66% of the people who responded who said, yes, we track our spending and we're on a budget. And just like uh, Gerald was pointing out, every month that you live below 100% of your income, that's money that you can put forward towards the things that truly matter. And that's money that grows. That's having margin in your finances. That's having breathing room. Suddenly, things that may have stressed you out, like, you know, your car starts making a weird noise and you have to take it into the shop and they say, oh, it's going to be this much money. You can go, okay, I've got an emergency fund saved up. I can handle that. That is how we stress less about our finances, is we need to choose to live on less than 100% of our income. So here's what I want to challenge you with. Spy on your money. Address your spending, save for the future, and deal with your debt. That's how we manage our money for a greater impact. So normally I end with a benediction, but today I want to pray for you. God, thank you that you spoke about money, that you had things to say all throughout history, that things that you said all through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, things that you said when you came to the earth as Jesus. God, thank you for the lessons that you have left in Scripture for us to learn. And Father, as we do this, would you give us wisdom and knowledge to know what matters and to know what doesn't? Would you give us the discipline to be deliberate in our choices that we make? And Father, would you show us opportunities where we can use our funds to further your kingdom, to further your name, to further the hope and the joy and the love that you desire for every person on this earth to know. So, Father, would you challenge us and would you guide us as we try to do this? In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great week, folks. Don't forget, if you want to be involved in helping us put on our Christmas Eve and doing something big for our community, talk to Vicki in the lobby, sign up, uh, and we're going to have an awesome Christmas here together. Thanks for coming. We hope this message helps you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information about us, visit gvccbrandon.ca.